When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Tane. And I'm Aid, and this is Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Married at First Sight Season 14, Episode 15, Recap, Take 2. Hi, Aid. Hi, Tane. Are we cursed? The evidence supports the fact that we are cursed by the technology gods. But it's okay. It's a growth opportunity. It requires us to learn, to consider, to try new things. I mean, I'm glad you feel that way because as you know, I was pretty bummed (laughs) when you sent me that message like, um, I don't think we got the full recording. (laughs) But here we are. It is what it is. We power through. It's just, you know, so close in succession. It's hard to take. It's hard to swallow, you know, but here we are. So it's fine. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm I'm in good spirits, actually, for a (laughs) re-recording. I think the tables have flipped. Remember the last one? I was just really, we got to do this. We got to do this. This, I am mustering up everything I got. (laughs) You can do it, Tane. You can do it. I can. I can, I can, I can. So, um, do you have any housekeeping for the people? I do, you guys. The ultimatum, part one of our recap is up on our Patreon. Um, On Monday, we're going to have our last after party because it ended, but we have our weekly recap up. And then last but not least, Math Season 10 is on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that it's out because it's not one of the favorable seasons. And I'm only saying that because we have a bonus episode way back where we ranked all of the math seasons. And I think I kind of ranked it high. We got a lot of messages talking about, eh, I agree with eight. I don't think it was one of the best. So then I started second guessing myself. But I think what it was, was there was just not a lot of likable people in that season. There was not, but there was a lot of memorable people. Yes. There was Michael, the liar. <laughs> there was Zatch, the guy who, who wouldn't move in. Every time there... you call him Zatch, that really just throws me off. <laughs> there came a point where, I mean, everybody on Reddit called him Zatch. So what was I supposed to call him? <laughs> um, there was Brandon and Taylor, the weirdest couple possibly ever to be on maths. The people who kept seeing each other naked, but never really quite did anything physical, but still had all the social media. But then she'd applied for 
Temptation Island or something. It was, yeah, there was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> but I did rank it very, very low on my listing because it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a great, I, I didn't even mention Old Turtle Gal. Um, <laughs> all of these references will make sense to you if you've watched it or if you mm-hmm. plan to watch it. But I do find it exciting when it's on Netflix because for some reason, you know, all the seasons are on the Lifetime app if you have cable. Um, I think they might be available streaming from somewhere else. But once it's on Netflix, more people watch. Yeah, that's true because Hulu does have all the seasons, but for some reason. But I'm sure the participants don't feel the same way because they start getting hate mail from four years ago. <laughs> As if people have moved on. Jasmine on the season already has a baby. Katie has gotten married and gotten pregnant. People have moved on. <laughs> So, but yeah, if you guys are looking to hear our thoughts on that season, unfortunately, we started with season 11. Yes. So the good news is if they keep to the schedule this time next year, New Orleans will be up on Netflix. But the funny thing is they always keep one up and then they take it down. So it's not there for forever. Yeah. But yeah. So be on the lookout for that. Tane. What is going on on the social media? All right. What is going on? So Tristan from the Dallas season, whose wife was arrested on their way to the honeymoon. His wife is a former Miss Houston, and she was a judge for the 2022 Miss Houston competition. Makes sense, right? But you know who else was a judge? Gil. Why? I I saw that Gil was a judge. I did not realize that he was a judge with Mia's, I'm sorry, with Mia was the name of Tristan's wife on Married at First Sight, <laughs> with, with his new wife, Miss Houston. Um, that's a lot of maths for the Miss Houston competition. Eh, does she count as maths? She's adjacent. <laughs> maths adjacent, I'll take it. <laughs> but yes, listen guys, I don't care, you know, if he's going to be a judge or whatever, but I'm just... You know, we're not fans of Gil like the rest of the world. My issue with Gil was like, these were all the things he came down on Merla for. Like, oh, you want to be on social media? I'm a simple guy. I don't care about things like that. I just want to be blah, blah, blah. But now you're all up into that because in addition to being a judge, Gil posted something that, you know, it kind of looked like it was just him in a shirt and underwear or something whatever it was just to showcase his legs talking about you know building back his legs and all that good stuff but as if that wasn't enough I mean I would call it a thirst trap but as if that wasn't enough he followed up with a post that showed oh and he titled it due to popular demand or because people ask or people just showing their thirsty comments or dms to him saying can you raise that shirt an inch more Ooh, look at those thick legs and then tongue and then all that like this is not the deal <laughs> that he presented himself to be people change. Yes. But it's difficult for me to just accept this new Gil when this was all the things that you were beating somebody else for, instead of just admitting that you felt insecure around Merla. So whatever, I don't feel bad about beating him up about it. I agree. I'm not a fan of, I don't know, social media Gil. I think it, I either the Gil on the show was lying, which I think is the truth. And this new version of Gil is not great. Yep, but we're in the minority. People love Gil. (laughs) Y'all go ahead. (laughs) 
Um, Dr. Viviana posted like, you know, those TikTok type videos where you use the audio and you you recreate whatever it was. So it was a TikTok video about ignoring the haters and someone made a comment about, yeah, we will ignore the haters, but I wish you guys would just admit that the producers choose the couples and they always choose one couple that will bring the drama. And she responded and said, that's absolutely not true. And it would be so nice to blame them, but they're the ones who pick the couples and are involved and... I want to believe her, but I don't. Not for one second. (laughs) Why would you stake your TV show on the... They have to balance. Like, I don't think they put people together. As individuals, I think they pick people for drama. I think when they put people together, they do actually try to pick people who who will match in some way. Yeah. But I don't think they're leaving it in the hands of the three experts. I I don't believe that. I mean, at the very least, can you admit that they picked the finalists? Because you're not sitting there going through the hundreds and thousands of people who come for the application. I mean, that's even, like, impossible. Well, they do admit that the producers narrow it down to, like, 100 or something. But they're like, we pick from the 100. Okay. I mean, good for them. Um, The other thing was Merla did respond to the comment and was like, you know, 100 agreeing with her about the haters, which is just in line with some things that we talk about, like as much hate as the experts get, the participants are always like on their side. Like we've never seen anyone besides Chris um, just go against the experts. They're just always on their side. So, I mean, again, we're sure they have behind the scenes moments that we don't see. So they have a different relationship. So I think the experts tend to be mostly kind to the people on the show. And I think if someone does you a kindness, you remember it no matter what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, your maths fave husband, Greg celebrated his 35th birthday. Happy birthday, Greg. Happy birthday, Greg. (laughs) Um, we've talked a little bit about people.com is doing a thing where they have past participants review, um, episodes, um, I read Woody and Amani's. That was the first time that I read a review. And it was pretty much, you know, no one saying anything bad about anyone, just giving their views. But it was nice. Um, this week it was Brett. And I really liked her her views. Like, again, it was nice, but it was straight to the point and on target with um, all the couples. Um, Danielle from Dallas, her kid was in the hospital over Easter. And she just said waiting on tests and posted a picture of her kid on IVs. Um, she came back with an update saying she's fine now. They did a lot of tests and it turned out that she had RSV and a double ear infection. So I'm glad she's okay. It has to be scary to see your kid in the hospital. I'm okay. Off topic a little bit. I don't know. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about what people share on social media mm-hmm. and I feel like people share their sick children all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure it's the greatest idea. I'm, I don't know. I, I am. I'm really getting around the idea that if you're an influencer, you are exploiting your children when you post them on social media. And this is not a criticism of Danielle. It's a criticism mm-hmm. of like all of them. <laughs> um, why does the whole world need to know that your kid is in the hospital? I think it's one of those things that we kind of have to get used to in that this is the new world we live in. So like, it's strange to us. I don't know if this is a good comparison, but it might also be strange to some people. Like when you watch a show, why do you have to hear people talk about it and recap it all over again? I don't, I don't know if it's the same thing, but someone might have that thought. And I think in this new world, I watched again, this uh, reality show on TV called hype house, which is completely about 
TikTok creators and social media people who live in a house and that's all they do. And there's a blurred line between your real life and creating work and everything is enmeshed in that. So if Danielle's whole source of income is being a content creator and kids, because it basically is kids. Like I, this, Danielle has nothing, no content, no nothing that doesn't have her kids in it. It provides a well-rounded view because I think even with the parents that are influencers, they choose different sides. I would say like Ashley's, she does a lot with her kid, but I like her content. I'm not as annoyed with it because it seems like it's more well-rounded. She still shows herself and them having fun or whatever. Danielle chooses the, I'm trying not to sound like I'm criticizing her, chooses the um, worn out, weary mom route (laughs) every single time. Even when she was on couples cam, her whole thing is, I'm so tired. My house is untidy. I don't know how people do it. The kids are driving me crazy. I need a break. Like that's her route. And I think if a lot of her things is just kids, 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 because Ashley does sometimes makeup or hair or whatever, you have to show the full trifecta of the kids. And then the next thing could be, you know, when the kids are sick and we're not thinking about meals, this is what we do. So this is a long roundabout way of me saying like, it probably adds to telling the full story of their life for more products for you to share and advertise, I guess. (laughs) What trips me up is I'm just thinking of, I forgot this kid's name. Olivia. Thank you. Olivia is like a couple years old. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking like 20 years from now, Olivia graduates college and is looking for a job. There's nothing negative about her coworkers being able to look up and see that she had RSE when she was two. There's nothing negative about that. But is that information that if given the choice, she would want to have out there for everybody to see? That's my issue with the, the mommy influencers is that they remove a lot of agency from their child's life about what information is shared about your childhood. You don't get to decide. I agree. Although I think in 20 years, I think what would be odder is that your information is not online. (laughs) I just think it's going to become the norm. Like, why not? Why aren't you on video everywhere or stuff? So uh, who knows? We'll find out. But I hear what you're saying. It's like they don't have a choice. And we all know so much about them, whether they want to or not. So, you know. Anyway, we got way off topic. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, uh, uh, that's okay. It was good discourse. Um, Clara mentioned, Clara from Atlanta Part 2, mentioned that she was thrilled to no longer wear masks. Thank you, Florida. For those of you that missed it, there were people who decided to tell people, even while they were midair, that they don't have to wear a mask when they fly anymore. Um, She followed it up and says, oh, I got a lot of nasty messages from me saying that, but I have to explain to you. I'm fully vaxxed. I've had COVID twice. But she explains that when she says she's thrilled, she just means that she doesn't have to deal with people being nasty to her for a mandate that she's not getting paid to enforce. She said she's had it mild, but people are just being rude about it, that she's had coworkers that have been hit, people that have been talked to, like verbally abusive about it. And she just means, thank you. I don't have to deal with that mess anymore. She's not opposed to wearing masks, but I didn't even think Clara was that kind of person. Um, I understood where she was coming from. I would understand too. It was always, from the very beginning, this whole who is going to enforce the mask rules was unfairly put on people who did not have the authority. I don't know if the authority is the right word, but it's (laughs) like, unless you are a freaking commando ready to take on violent people, then you don't have the strength to enforce a mask mandate when people are assaulting you. 
yeah. and there were a lot of flight attendants and assaulting was like you know the most extreme thing but just yeah. generally people being nasty to you all the time because you're trying to enforce a rule so i'm with clara i understand why flight attendants are happy to not be verbally abused anymore because of a mask yep I mean, it's like the pandemic made people forget how to fly. We saw a lot of incidents of people on the plane just being like crazy or something. I mean, on the flip side, AJ from Philly was like, thank God we can now go back to and have some semblance of normalcy. So I don't think he's coming from the same <laughs> angle as Clara, but <laughs> there's that. <laughs> Me, myself, oh. I plan to wear a, a, a mask when I fly. I feel like we should have been doing it all along to protect ourselves from the cold, the flu, and everything else that you get on a plane. I agree. I agree. Um, That's all I got for social media. So before we get into the episode, what did you think of the episode? It was better than I expected because my expectations were in the toilet. We are now in the filler part of the season where we're just like, where is decision day? Um, <laughs> and actually this episode was marginally better than terrible. I mean, I hear you, but I still think it was a filler episode. We're just gathering scraps at the same time. Everyone, I think, has made up their mind. No one's having a huge change of mind right at this point. It's just, you know, it's the letter, not a huge favorite of ours. And, you know, these people don't understand the assignment. Like, they think the letter is um, something to send some liminal messages to your partner versus writing to your younger self. So... Yeah, I mean, it was good to see a Dr. Pepper, but honestly, we could have just done without the episode is what I'm trying to say. I, I mean, you know me. I don't like this letter writing exercise. I don't <laughs> really see the point of it. I, but, but you know, some people get it right, some people get it wrong, but I just don't. It's not, I think it's like, I would never do that. So why are these people being forced to do this? <laughs> it's good. It's like therapy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So we start the episode, I would like to thank you, Tane, for your intelligence the other day that you don't start watching the episode until the the all or nothing character people come on the screen, <laughs> because I realize that it saves me a lot of time to start there too. Um, <laughs> so everybody's driving home from Vermont, which I was supposed to look it up, but do you, is it like two or three hours from Vermont to Boston? I, I don't know. No idea. Okay. So they're driving home and Pastor Cal is in his little interview box talking about how they're about to make the most important decision of their lives. It's really not that crucial. Um, <laughs> it is a very important decision, but this is a false deadline that they've created. Basically, when you're married, you decide to be married every single day that you're married. Just because <laughs> these people have created a decision day doesn't make it the most important decision of their lives. Um, because we have not talked about the medium enough. Jasmina and Michael are talking about the medium. And Mike says that he assumed that his mom and his grandmother would come, but he didn't expect his brother would be at all. And Jasmina mentioned something else that the medium said that we didn't see, which was about the two other people. Um, and then we get more information about how Michael's brother passed away. Um, that there were two other people in the car who had picked him up to bring him home from work. And there was a road rage incident and that's the person in the passenger seat of the other car shot into the car that his brother was in. This is all very traumatizing. Like the poor man, I just feel so sorry for him that he's had to talk about this stuff so much. 
Well, that was what my question was going to be was like, you know, based on after party, she said she was concerned about the medium because it's one thing to share with her, but it's one thing like when he says this, he's going to share with the world. So I was thinking if that was a concern, how come she's still asking him more questions on things that, you know, I mean, they don't know what's going to air or not, but I was just wondering if he had, she had like his permission to just keep talking more about it. Well, I figured since she was just asking questions about what they already talked about, like what was yeah already on film, that it wouldn't be anything like new. Yeah, that's true. But that being said, can we say this medium was legit? You know, she didn't get told about the two people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know if she's legit or not. <laughs> um Jasmina says that she's noticing a change in him, that he trusts her and he's more vulnerable. Um, Jasmina says that she was shocked by the twins in a year and a half. And she says that would mean we had a slip up. And then they laugh together because they're just the cutest couple in the world. And just messing with our emotions. Because why the hell are you joking about slip ups, people? We're here rooting for you. Sometimes I like to imagine an alternate universe where the two of them are getting it on and they're not telling us. But that's not happening. That is not by any means chance (laughs) happening. (laughs) You guys, I have lost all sense of like, I don't know, impartiality with those two. I just sit and root for them, pray for them, hope for them. (laughs) Katina's in bed after the road trip, telling Olajuwon that she looks forward to more road trips. And she said, they talk about jet ski. I thought they were talking about jet skiing. And then she says, maybe the dog thing, like a sleigh ride, which I think we all understood to mean like, like I call it, I did a rod <laughs> or, you know, because that's the big race in Alaska, but where you, you know, you're pulled along on a sled by dogs. I think, I guess it's called dog sledding. That was the first word you thought of? I did a rod. Yeah. Okay. I don't <laughs> even know if I've ever heard that before. And the fact it's your first word and I'm like, what? <laughs> My first word was dog sledding. <laughs> But I'm I'm basic, so <laughs> she's very like, oh, we got to go away and spend time away from the city and do new things. And she got to experience things like running with the sheep or whatever that animal was. And then I thought it was a llama. <laughs> no, it's an alp- alpaca. <laughs> there was even so- a chi- there was a chiron that said alpaca, not a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> So I can't hate on Katina too much because I was like, wasn't it a llama? (laughs) Um, She (laughs) says she's thankful for her future baby daddy because he makes her feel like Superwoman. And I pray to God that he is not her future baby daddy. Hmm. Olajuwon says that they learn more about each other on the trip. And the part that he's focused on is moving forward. And he had fun hanging with the couples, which I was shocked to hear because it sounded pretty terrible with Lindsay there. Um, but they need to start locking in on the deep questions between each other. Then in an interview, he says he's worried about the future timeline. Can he have kids in two years? Is he going to sacrifice traveling? Am I going to sacrifice seeing if Katina can keep me satisfied while adding more to her plate? He doesn't have an answer to this question. Elijah one is such a selfish motherfucker. Like, it's just, I, 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 can I be satisfied? Like, once again, we are 15 episodes in. And we still don't know what this man offers her. I'm getting around to a point where I'm like, does he even like her? Mm. If you're looking for problems where there aren't any, I I don't know. Does he even like her? Instead of looking for solutions? I don't know. 
When someone says, am I going to have to sacrifice traveling? I'm like, what do you mean? Um, You would think that they're like 45 and she had like two year window to have kids. Like the way they're so, or he's so stuck on this two years. I'm like, you planned to travel for just two years? Like, <laughs> it's just odd. <laughs> Uh, and annoying odd and annoying so we have jasmina and mike next she takes him to her childhood home because everybody's going to go to their childhood home they're going to write a letter and they're going to meet with dr pepper so she says she loves coming home but she points to a house there's a lot of hanging out of houses that clearly are not in their families anymore um and that this house was the last place that she lived with her mom and dad but they left because her mom didn't want to stay in a house that was originally her dad's. Um, and she they, she talks about how there was a green bathtub and that she and all of her sisters have a picture of their dad washing their hair in the bathtub. And they show the picture and they blur out her dad. Um, in an interview, she said growing up was rough and this is like going to help understand, help Mike understand what she's been through. Um, so they also drive by her school and she, her school looked very large. Um, and she's like, this is the playground. Oh, look, everything's still there. (laughs) Um, she said that school was a safe place and an outlet and her dad would be gone a lot because he was a truck driver and he would come and pick them up from school in his big truck, which I just find that hilarious. Like, can you imagine like an 18 wheeler just rolling up at school? (laughs) You just get it. (laughs) Um, and she talks, tells Michael about Mrs. Petaskey. And Mrs. Petaskey was a great teacher who gave her a lot of love and filled something that she didn't even know was missing. Um, Mike starts to ask a question, but he mispronounces Mrs. Petaskey's name and Jasmina is having none of it. She's like, you will put some respect on Miss Petaskey's name. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, and Mike, the question he wanted to ask her was, did, do you think Miss Petaskey knows that, you know, the reason why you're a teacher is because of, like, the influence she had on you? And it was like no one had ever asked Jasmina this question. And for me, I need to see Mrs. Petaskey find out. Somehow, some way, I need to see the end of this story where Mrs. Petaskey learned the impact that she had on this student. <laughs> they better find her in uh for the reunion i mean it was jasmina's aha moment you could just see like her facial expression gave her away like oh my god no one's asked me that and i've never thought of that or made that connection but look at your husband getting that connection but yeah like what are the odds that we see mrs Potaski in the reunion i mean i will be demanding it i will be sending letters assuming she's still leaving um i hope we see her well, i hope um, and then Jasmina reads her letter. She In her letter, she talks about how her first stepmother sucked and she never hugged them and she never cared about them and that she's a teacher now because she wants school to be a safe place for kids like it was for her. And she is crying reading this letter. And then at the end of it, she and Mike hug and I thought it was awkward. I didn't think it was awkward. In fact, I thought it was cute because Michael got teary with his wifey and then she hugged him. And then, you know, she said the thing, he said the thing about his pride of her. And she's like, you proud of me? It was cute. But their pelvises didn't touch, did they? Eight up until last week. That wasn't a thing. (laughs) You're the one who made it a thing, not me. (laughs) That's funny. 
it's that's a brand with their relationship. Everything is clicking except the pelvis, not bumping uglies yet. <laughs> in an interview, Mike says he's never heard her go into such detail about what she's been through, and he loves getting to see what made Jasmina who she is to stay. And says he sees her more clearly. And then he says he sees how strong she is. And I almost was like, come on now, Mike. But then he redeems himself by saying, when you see a strong person, you sometimes assume that they've never been through anything. But now he's learned more about her and he knows that's not the case. I find it interesting because before she read her letter or this week's episode, she always accuses Michael of not opening up and she needs to know more about him. I almost forgot that she told us in her intro package that, you know, her biological mom left, her dad moved back to Jamaica, and it wasn't easy. She doesn't know or speak to her half-siblings. Um, it's just her and her sister. And I'm like, for someone who says that he isn't opening up, she hasn't spoken about her parents and her mom leaving her and all that. And Michael confirmed it by saying, like, they've spoken about it, but she's never gotten that deep. Um, Okay. I mean, I do, yeah. I mean, she she probably should have done better on this front. But it's not like she had never spoken about it. He said she just hadn't spoken about it in this much depth. Isn't that what she's accusing Michael of? He's spoken about the death so many times, but she said she still needs more and more depth. But, but when she talks about him being vulnerable, I don't think she's talking about the deaths. There's other things maybe that she's looking for. I don't know. Why am I trying to defend her? I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> So we go to a commercial break and we come back to Lindsay's delusions. (laughs) She's got her selfie cam going and she's telling us that Mark has spent the majority of the time saying that she's too much. She's too loving. She's too giving. She's too energetic. She's too much. And I'm just like, okay, why do you, I don't know. How do I put this? Too loving, too giving? Like, we get it, you know, you 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 really think you are really great, Lindsay. And I'm not, I don't know, people should think they're great to some extent, but some things might be your fault too in this relationship. I mean, Lindsay fancies herself a savior. So anything you tell her, she's going to spin it into like, I'm a good person. I told you last week that she has Alyssa syndrome. It's just different. But she likes to tell herself like she's a good person. She does this. I don't think Mike, sorry, Mark has ever said that she's too loving or too giving. I think he said she's too hyper and too much, but I don't think he's ever said too loving. But that's her spinning things in the same vein as when she says, you say I'm too much and you want me to lessen myself for you. I don't quite think that's what he's saying. So she that's a Lindsayism. Let me put it that way. So then we get an overhead shot of the Dateline camera. Where he is, I feel like, trying to pretty calmly explain to her the problems he has with her. But this is Lindsay, so she didn't quite clock it. It wasn't a productive conversation, because theirs usually aren't. And she has concluded from the conversation that it makes her realize that he needs to find a lesser woman, because she doesn't want to make herself lesser for anybody else. I just feel like if the full form of you is getting into drunken arguments when you go on um, a friend's trip... Yes, there needs to be less of that. <laughs> if if that's who you are and you just can't help yourself, you might find yourself not married to Mark. Yeah. Um, which is okay. Maybe you're just not for each other. But you don't have to act like, you know, he's asking you to just deny who you are as a person. Sometimes you as a person sucks. <laughs> and that goes for all of us. Yeah, it's true. 
So next up is Olajuwon and Katina visiting his childhood neighborhood. He says he was raised by a single mother with three brothers and two sisters. And then he said four people lived in the house. And I was like, this math is not mathing. We're missing two people. <laughs> Actually, three people, because you know me in math. It should be seven. Anyway, yeah. I assume some of the siblings might be older and just weren't um, around like when he was growing up. They were moved out. Honestly, uh, it just goes back to everything about Olajuwon. Like, Olajuwon says a lot of things. We hear a lot of things. But I don't think, honestly, when it comes to his family, his background and all that, we don't get a lot of info. Which we could get all this info if his siblings who were around at the beginning were around throughout the show, but we have not seen hair or hide of them since the wedding. Nope. We only get, what's his friend's name? Jeff? Five times? Mm -hmm. And then we got the coach who I think is coming again next week. So I don't know, man. (laughs) Olajuwon says that his bedroom had 12 windows because it was basically a back porch. Another brother was in the attic. I was not clear if he was referring to a house or to an apartment building. Um, but a large one says that the building made him who he is, but it was tough. This part was spliced into the point where I'm not even sure he ever said this sentence or if they looked up these four words and put them together. <laughs> but he says it was tough growing up in the projects. Um, and this is why he takes everything so serious. The loans, the house, it's because of these buildings that we're all looking at. And he shows her how they used to play football in the street and every day they would hit someone's car and they'd be upset. Then he said he used to be fat. He was 10 pounds when he was born. There's no such thing as a fat baby. Like, I was very confused by this. I feel like, okay, I'm gonna be real honest. I'm like, I feel like this is another made up, not another. I have a feeling a larger one's overcome a lot of things, but he has to add other things that he actually hasn't overcome. I don't think he was ever fat. (laughs) (laughs) He's an embellisher. Let me put it that way. Like it just adds more pompadour to his stories or whatever. Because it's one thing when you're, again, if he considered himself fat as in a, a teenager and, you know, people made fun of him. But if you're a baby and, wait, was he saying he was fat as a teenager or he was saying as a baby? As a baby, he weighed 10 pounds was how okay. he justified that I used to be fat. So I don't know what age it was or anything, but I'm just like, if you're as a baby, no one's saying, ha, 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 look at that fat baby. I, I mean, it's just not adding up. So I don't know. <laughs> just A lot of Olajuwon's things were not connecting. I am this, this is why I'm hard on you. If you're hard on yourself, I can understand that. But if you're hard on your wife the way you are, that's a whole different thing. It does not justify the way you speak to her. You can be hard on people. There's something called tough love, but not being rude about it and yelling at her and dismissing her all the time and breaking her down and putting her through tests. I'm sorry. The way you grew up is not an excuse to be a shitty person to another human being. And the whole I'm hard on her because of how I grew up is goes back to the idea that Katina is not actually a separate person. She's an extension of himself. Mm. Um, Katina says to Olajuwon that she's glad that he brought her here. And, you know, if they had kids, she could, you know, point out that's where daddy grew up. Um, she says that he's very open and passionate and where he comes from. And then that segues into how he's tough on her. And this is why he gets upset kind of easily. He thinks it was how, it was how he raised, like, you can't be soft. They'll smack you. Um, (laughs) which is a terrible, you know, toxic masculinity does tend to be terrible. Um, Olajuwon says that Katina doesn't really understand this stuff because she was raised in the suburbs 
with a house with five bedrooms and two baths. <laughs> I mean, everybody has their version of suffering because I'm like, five bedrooms and only two baths? <laughs> That's funny. While they're sitting there, Lodgman says he doesn't want her to think that he's this guy who's high energy. And when he's good, he's good. But when he's upset, he's not good. But that's who he is, though. He's like, I don't want her to think I am who I have displayed myself to be. Uh, okay. <laughs> he says that he appreciates that she takes the time to get to know him. You could have easily said that you don't come from where I come from. And I don't want a man like this. I want a guy who's more proper in how he dresses. But she looks past that and he thanks her that for he thanks her for that for real. Yeah, a combination of that plus the whole, you know, she grew up in a five-bedroom house and two-bath just made me realize that he's insecure about the way he grew up. And maybe that's part of why he tries to put her down. Like, you may have come from better, but now we're adults, we're leveled up, and look where I came from, and look at you. You're the one still going to school and not being able to be an adult or whatever it is. So. Just in case I haven't said it this episode, I don't like a larger one. <laughs> so, so next up, because I was not aware of what was going on in the episode, I was like, oh my goodness, Dr. Pepper is here for an emergency visit with Mark and Lindsay because they're such a mess. <laughs> um, and later found out everybody got a visit. <laughs> so Dr. Pepper sits down and she's like, she knows it's been difficult, but where are they now? What can she help with? Mark says his struggle is the same struggle he's had for weeks. We've had good times, but then frustrating conversations. It's hard to be affectionate if they have difficult arguments that drain him. He then recounts the hyper argument. He's like, I just made one comment and he feels bad, but he doesn't know all the words that trigger her. And Dr. Pepper calls him out because we agreed last week that the hyper thing was a dick. Um, did, and did she says, I, I thought we agreed that, that Mark was a dick. The, the problem was the reaction to the dick was disproportionate, or at least I thought that. <laughs> we 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 got close but i was just like it's a descriptive word at least to me i just i i, I don't know but we can move on <laughs> so he says that Lindsay like wants to wrestle and he doesn't want her licking and biting him and he tells her to stop and she doesn't stop then they have a really interesting conversation that at its heart was about consent she says you don't say stop you say like ha ha stop and he says, but I say stop. And then they play video. And it depends on how you look at it, I guess, because he is kind of like, oh, stop. But I don't know. <sighs> to me, stop means stop. At least if someone says stop, it's worth saying like, hey, are you serious right now? But no, she just keeps on going. I think it's caught because if he says it seriously, she's going to have a hissy fit and say, you're talking to me rude. You are breaking my boundaries. And if he tries to play in the balance like I'm kidding but I'm also firm she thinks that he's joking so I, I don't it's a lose-lose situation for Mark I think at the end of the day if someone says stop you you need to stop and if you're confused about whether they mean it for real then you need to be not confused by having an open conversation with them about it also I gotta tell you this is a continuation of what we talked about um from the couples retreat Lindsay does not read social cues. I know we were joking about it, but in all honesty, I don't think it should even be an argument if he's kidding or not. Everyone with eyes can see that he does not like being touched. They told her at the dinner before the couple's retreat, like he doesn't like to be touched, like you make him feel like a two-year-old. And she said, 
then they said, oh, he's scared of you. And she's like, I like that he's scared of me. So honestly, when you put everything together, she should know that he doesn't like being touched like that and wants to be left alone. But it's, I'm just now convinced that she doesn't read the room and she can't read social cues. That's very generous of you. (laughs) Is it that she can't read them or she doesn't care about them? It makes me feel more comfortable to believe that she cannot read because it's ridiculous. Like that laugh still haunts me from the couple's <laughs> retreat. Noi straight up said, that's creepy. Stop. And she was like, and the whole room is silent. Everyone's cringing, embarrassed. And she cannot. And she still said more. So I'm going with, she cannot read social cues because she's done it over and over and over again. Even an after party. Tis true. Tis true. Um, Dr. Pepper, based on this conversation, is like, you guys are lacking basic understanding of each other. Can you ask each other questions? And Lindsay's like, no, I can't ask, um, ask him questions. He justifies it's a joke or I'm oversensitive. You walk away and you dismiss me. And she says, it's like, you don't want to care and I don't want to care anymore. And Lindsay does her whole, I think Dr. Pepper called it forecasting. Like he doesn't get to hurt her anymore. The walls are up and you're out. And Dr. Pepper asked asked her, why don't you ask him if he does care instead of like making up a whole thing in your mind? And she's like, I don't want to hear his answer because she's not sure that he's the right guy for her. So she deflects and she bobs and she weaves without, you know, taking any accountability or taking any actions that might help. And it's time for a break. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we're back with Lindsay and Mark. And, you know, Lindsay eventually concedes and asks. I I should add, though, that throughout this conversation till now, Lindsay has had an answer for everything Dr. Pepper says to the point of even cutting her off sometimes. Like, Dr. Pepper is not done with her comment, and Lindsay's just chiming in left, right, and center. So she finally asked Mark and was like, do you even care, Mark? And he says, I do. And she asks, how? I'm like, are you asking the follow-up questions or is Dr. Pepper? So Mark says he doesn't do anything to deliberately hurt her. 
that he thinks that she thinks that. And Mark says, if I was deliberately going to hurt you, I would end this relationship and be done with it. And Aid, I think he just told on himself. Why do you mean that he's actually done, but he just won't say it because he doesn't want to hurt her? Yep. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) So Dr. Pepper says that she believes him, but Lindsay says that she doesn't think that he considers her. Lindsay said, for example, the other day she asked Mark to pay attention to them. And then he went on Instagram, on Facebook, on Snapchat. And she was like, I just asked you for a few minutes. And it's hard for her because she can't get his attention for five seconds. Dr. Papa says the thing that both of them said they will do in the very beginning was they were going to give their all. Lindsay chimes in again. Yeah, and I've done that. Dr. Pepper says you have. But I need both of you to work against the things that have kept you from marriage up until this point. She says, if Mark could give Lindsay affection, support, and focus, that she's sure that some of the things that bother him would diminish greatly. Which is all nice and great, but you can't give what you don't feel. This man is going to Facebook because he'd rather scroll than face Lindsay biting him, climbing him, (laughs) wrestling him, or whatever else. Say something and he might trigger her. The man is scared. So, I mean, we've heard that he's a lover boy from all his friends and he's the one who falls fast. So he could if he wanted to. So she asked Lindsay, and I've told you to try and reduce the pressure. Let him try and move towards you versus you moving towards him. Lindsay says, you know what? She cuts Dr. Pepper off and was like, you know what? I want someone I can have fun with though. I want someone who's going to be dynamic embrace me and lean into me and not tell me I'm too much and to be less and to try new food. I'm like, wait, what? Try new food? Where did that come from? And it's just like, Lindsay's just always complaining that she wants someone to accept her the way that she is, but she's not willing to do that to Mark. All she does is dig and pick at this man and everything that he doesn't do. But she forgets that in the beginning when they fought, he stood up for her. When she was sick, she was there for him and she has he has tried new food And thank God Dr. Pepper remembers because she interjects and says, he tried new food, didn't he? And Lindsay (laughs) is like, eh, maybe just a little cucumber rice or whatever. And in my mind, I'm like, "Um, didn't he have the taco? And isn't she always forcing something down his throat? And the producers play a montage of him trying new things. And Dr. Pepper (laughs) just looks at her and was like, Lindsay, give him a break. And Lindsay's like, well, that's hard to hear because blah, but Mark steps in and he's like, Lindsay, do it in small bites. You push and you push, and the food is like the feelings. Let me get there. I know what you demand. You say it every day. I know how to love someone. I have been overly romantic. He says all the things that she wants and ends it by saying, I know how to touch your heart. And the speech was nice. Like, I'm all here for him standing up for himself, but I'm like, isn't it worse that he actually knows what to do and he's just not doing it? (laughs) Well, this is another instance of him telling on himself. (laughs) He He told on himself when he was like, I know how to do all these things. He's not doing them for her because he does not like her. Yeah. Listen, we've said it a number of times. Sometimes Lindsay is valid. I feel Lindsay. I personally have abandonment issues. I know what she means. But sometimes when you're dealing with your trauma or whatever... You have to know when it's you tripping and you have to curb yourself and when to hold it back. But the problem with Lindsay is that she just thinks that Mark is the problem. Mark needs to fix himself and they'll be okay. 
and she's just Mother Teresa up in this bitch, and she does nothing wrong. So. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so she was sent here to save all the lost souls, but they don't want to be go. saved. Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Anyways, at this point, um, I looked at the clock, and it was 35 minutes in, and we have not seen Steve Illinois. I wasn't complaining. I just noticed that they weren't there. So we see Michael taking Jasmina to his old neighborhood and he hasn't been there, he tells her, in over a decade when he lost his mom and he has mixed emotions. He says it feels good, you know, to be here. He thought it would be emotional, but what he's actually having is a flood of emotions, of good memories. And, you know, I was happy for him. You know, it's just a whole bag to be there with all the losses he's had. And I was happy for him that it was good memories that he had. Um, he takes it to the park that he used to go to and he tells us that it means a lot to have her by his side, that it's uncomfortable, but he has to. He tells her that he brought her here because he and his brother used to come here every day at 7 a.m. At the time, it was annoying, but he needed that. And I think the other thing that wasn't said that is my own contribution is that it, I'm glad they got to spend all that time not knowing that they weren't going to have that much time together, but they have. he has that memory of being his brother every day and having that shared activity that they did. Definitely. Every, I mean, it's not that I'm not happy to hear about Michael and his life because I do find him very interesting and I do want to know more about him if he's going to be on my TV screen. And I have a lot of empathy for everything that he suffered, but it is a little like wearing, like, I'm like, is he okay with how much time? Let's just say that they haven't, like, if you were to see them shooting, the, the amount of time he spends talking about loss is only like 5% of it. And there's a whole 95% that we are not seeing because the part that they really like to show is mm-hmm. when he's talking about loss. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how he's going to feel about that later. I feel like he's going to come to the reunion and be like, you know, me and Jazz talked about things besides like my dead relatives and her, you know, sad childhood. We, we talked about this stuff too. I think that's fair actually. And I, and I, and I think that's more than likely the case, but on the flip side, I mean, you, nobody knows what to expect reality TV. I don't know. We watch a lot of it. So we kind of know that when you sign up for a reality show, it's not going to be the complete story that's being told. So who knows if he expected that to be the case, but the consolation is knowing that that's not all he talked about. There were other things. So in the process of it, he's not going to be feeling like this is all they want me to talk about. So it's not as heavy as what his storyline was, but in reality, there were other things. He just didn't know that it's not going to be shown. Yeah. So he's not bogged down. So hopefully so. And you know what just occurred to me? Like working out with his brother all the time might also be the thing that led him to personal training. All that working out. Oh, <laughs> you know, I honestly thought his brother was older and, you know, little kids have so much energy. So I'm sure his brother was like, let me help my mom out, take him out, let him run off some energy before the day even starts. <laughs> that's how I think of his older brother taking him out. But that's just something I invented in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had that thought too. I was like, there's a huge gap between them. Like, what was he doing? But it's nice because most older brothers don't want to hang out with their younger siblings. So it's cool. Says who? <laughs> When there's a huge gap like that, you hear a lot of people just saying, like, we didn't connect because there was a huge gap in age. Yeah. I guess it's, (laughs) I don't know. There are, hmm. I think there are a lot of older siblings who are good older siblings, but you're right. Usually when there's a huge age gap, siblings aren't close. 
Oh, I don't mean like they're not close or, but you know, when you're going through those teenage years or whatever, you think you're too cool for school and you don't want your younger brother, like, you know, seven years, nine years difference hanging out. What do you, what do you do? You go out to hang out with your friends is what I mean. So then he reads his letter and his letter is basically him telling himself about his emotions. He understood the assignment. He and Jasmina understood the assignment. They weren't telling each other things to fix about themselves. They were talking about their younger self. Um, he was telling himself about letting people in and, you know, telling himself like to do more things with his mom and spend more time with her. Jasmina tells him that his letter was beautiful. Um, Michael says it's nice to not feel judged and he's hoping this builds the romantic side for them. Um, Michael's saying that it was nice not to feel judged. Elijah one saying it's nice not to feel judged. And I'm just wondering, is this something in the black community where a lot of men are scared of feeling judged? Or is this oh, just a I, human general thing? Um, I actually think it's a human general thing. Okay. I just... I, I do. We haven't heard a lot of it. I'm thinking of other seasons, I guess. And it, it, it was just a novelty of it all, of just not feeling judged. And I'm like, wow, this is a top emotion. Hmm. Actually, my thought is, what kind of humans have you been encountering like has judgment come from other people before who are these trash people who are judging you for these things or is it entirely internal like you said where you just feel like you're going to be judged and so you don't share and then you come to married at first sight and you're like you will spill your feelings and you're like wait a second (laughs) but the person is not judging me this is not what i expected i think maybe the other part is maybe these comments come from when you think you're punching up Uh, sorry i I watch so many reality shows. That's what the Australians say. When you're dating out of your league. Oh, okay. That's actually a good... I like how you put that. Go Australians. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized I said it and there was silence. And I was like, where did I get that from? But um, yeah, so maybe it's a feeling of this person is doing better. They look so good. And maybe I'm just, I was like, okay, they're not judging me though. I'm okay. Who knows? It could be a personal thing. It's just something I noticed that both of them said the not feeling judged. And I'm like, why would anyone, I mean, not that people don't judge, but it's just like, that was just the interesting top emotion for me that they were really happy about. Anyways, um, he tells her that they've made a lot of progress, but they still have a lot to figure out as they come closer to decision day. At the 45-minute mark, we get Steve and Noe. You guys, <laughs> what further evidence could there be that Tane is a tad obsessed with Steve? Because she's not looking out for when we get to see Noe. <laughs> no, I'm just saying they weren't there. and They're the quote-unquote golden couple. And I'm just like, <laughs> how did they go that long without showing? Because they're showing all of the couples, and they showed a couple twice now. So anyway, Steve takes Noe to his childhood home. And says that it's a significant part of his life. And I am a terrible... Just a thing. (laughs) Okay. Steve has an earring all of a sudden. Yes, he does. Where did that come from? I like it. But I was like, it's been seven weeks. We haven't seen this. (laughs) Um, yeah. I I don't know. He wanted to change. It looks good (laughs) on him. It does. Um, I'm a terrible person because they got home... And I'm like, why is this white woman following them around? And who is she? And then I realized that (laughs) it's his mom. I keep forgetting that Steve's mom is white. 
but it took me a second to figure out that that was his mom. But I came to, I got myself together real quick. Um, he shows her around the house and he tells her that he and two of his brothers shared a room. Um, he showed her his stuffed animal and, you know, it was called Sparky. And Noi made a comment, like, it's kind of odd that he still has a stuffed animal, but okay. But she ended it with, that was cute. Because I was like, I didn't appreciate her quip. Like, it's a childhood stuffed toy and they kept it for his nieces and nephew now because it's his old room they've converted it for the you know the grandchildren and why not be there to play with the toys your parents had like i didn't think it was odd i don't know why she thought it was odd i always find it um interesting that just from the short amount of time that we watched steve at home it just felt like I don't know, he grew up in a super stable way with two parents and this like very large loving family. It just, I don't know, you could feel it from that guest room. Like, yeah, they send their grandkids over there and there was so much stuff in there because grandma and grandpa can't help it. <laughs> I don't know, it was really sweet. Yeah, it was. So they all gather in the living room and they go through his yearbook and we find out that he was voted best dancer because of course, what can Steve not do? <laughs> so <laughs> no, I asked him if he was popular in high school and he said, I think so. I mean, I got along with everybody. That is Steve being humble. Like you could tell like for sure that he was a popular guy in high school. <laughs> so Steve tells her how he used to make beats with his friend Ryan in the basement. And then we hear a song. It is Steve's song called Get Down. Steve is rapping. And then he tells us that he used to sell his burnt CDs. It was actually kind of a local hit. You could hear it on the radio. The best part was his mama was saying every single lyric. I think she was saying like, oh, I haven't heard this one. And next thing we see, she's saying all the rhymes, saying that all together. And that was really cute. I mean, that was cute, but A, the beat was all over the place. I could not find the beat to that song. I, <laughs> I mean, to each his own when it comes to music. But the feeling I got watching Steve do that was very reminiscent to how I felt when Cameron rapped for Lauren's mom on Love is Blind. Just saying. <laughs> I'm like, my ears, my ears. And they didn't just, you know, because they have to get music rights, but this is Steve's song. So they just, it's like they played the whole song. And I was like, what is this ending? What is this over? It was a long time. It really was. I mean, but the best part about it is Noi actually thought it was good. Noi even said that this could be a hit on the radio. So that is love. So yeah. I mean, that is love. <laughs> good for them. So next thing we see, it's like a selfie cam and Lindsay is cuddling Mark's cat. And she's telling us that Mark is having a hard time. I rolled my ass because is this woman telling us again that his life is falling apart? <laughs> but then we find out that his cat has an eye issue and his cat is 14. Next thing we see Mark taking him to the vet and we find out that they found some tumors in him. And he doesn't want his cat to be in pain. And as he's talking about how the cat has been with him for a long time, we see a photo from that photo shoot night where it was full of turmoil. But I'm glad, you know, they got to get a photo. I am too. You never know. I'm glad even with Lindsay's drama, they still managed to get that photo because that's probably the last nice photo he has with the cat. So Lindsay comes in and he's telling her everything that's happened and they found more stuff on his lungs and... Guys, I know that Lindsay has good intentions, but she's all over. She's rubbing the cat. She's rubbing Mark. She's standing over them. And I kind of had the thought, the too much thought. 
And and I get it again, good intentions. I just feel like Mark doesn't feel like a touch kind of person, and that's not what he's needing at the moment. And I just felt like they should have that moment, him and his cat. But I don't know. What did you think, Aid? I mean, I actually This is the thing though. If Lindsay's there, this is what she's gonna do. And I think at this point Mark knows this. So I I didn't think she was she was just being herself. And Honestly, in this moment, this is what you kind of need to do. This is what she's actually good at. I guess. I, I mean, people are different. I'm probably projecting. I'm one of those people, like, if something's hot, I don't want people to fuss over me. It just kind of, just give me my space and let me deal with it on my own. So who knows? It's the right thing to do. I don't think there's any, I can't fault her for it is the way I'm going to say it. But I think it's just everything collectively. I'm just like, Lindsay. But yeah, I, I feel you. But yeah, Mark makes a call to say goodbye to his cat. And he tells us that he is glad Lindsay is there to be supportive of him. And this is one of those events that bonds them. I don't know. The weird thing about maps is like, this is why people go on maps. Because when you go through hard times, you like don't want to be alone. But then the person who's there, you're like, but are they the right person? Mm-hmm. But are they giving you what you need at the time? Because that's the whole thing why I'm not being hard on Lindsay, but I'm just, it's a good example of sometimes people can love you the way they would want to be loved and all the things, but is it what you need? Is that how you want to be loved is, I guess is what I'm saying. That's true. At the time, it seemed like Mark was okay with it. It would be bad for him to come back around and be like, no, I didn't actually want that. He would never even say that. So next up is Katina and Olajuwon in church. Um, Katina's church, it appears. It's a very beautiful church. She said she brought him to the church because she grew up in church. She met her first best friend and she was telling him about one of her bridesmaids. He seemed to have no idea who she was talking about, by the way. <laughs> she, she was like, he was at the wedding. He's like, oh, okay. He had a blank stare, actually. But again, there's been talk online of Olajuwon being like a... Uh, someone who smokes weed and that he seems high, but I don't want to blame the man if he's not or anything, but maybe he was just in a daze at the moment. Who knows? I'm the wrong one for that stuff. I'll always recall. I once worked with an alcoholic who came to work drunk and I had no idea because I can never pick up on those things. I can't pick up on when people are high. I can't pick up on when people are drunk. I'm just dumb. I'm I'm certainly not going to figure that out through a TV screen. Um, she also talked about how her mom made her do a purity ring class and he stares at her blankly, like you said, and he's like, and she asked, do you know what that is? And he's like, no. And he so wasn't like, even yeah. going to say, what is that? He was just going <laughs> along with everything. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did not get a ring, but I did a similar class. <laughs> mm. It was called Sex, God, and Me. And I do believe at the end I signed something. Um so she explains to him that that's what purity ring class is about. You get a ring, you say you're going to remain pure until marriage. And the two of them laugh together because because I don't think that worked out and they know it. <laughs> she talks about how fun church was for her, that they had to come every Sunday. Um, I was confused because for me, when someone says they were raised in church, I didn't, I don't hear we went to church every Sunday. Like, when I say I was raised in church, we went to church on Sunday morning. There was a church activity on Sunday night. There was church on Wednesday. Like, there in the summer, I had a schedule memorized. There was church on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think <laughs> Thursday and Friday, we might have taken the day off. And then we're back to it on Sunday. 
<laughs> or if you're a Catholic, you have morning mass every day. <laughs> that was my life. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of luxury is it to just go to church on Sunday morning and be done? Um, <laughs> Elijah says that his dad wasn't there every day, but every Sunday he would pick them up and take them to church. Um, and they commiserate because his dad would take them to get burgers after church. And she said they would go get donuts after church. So that was nice. So this is where it was a little cloudy and maybe it's just me reading in, meaning into it, but it all fits in my narrative of how Olajuwon's background childhood growing up is just a little sketchy for me. Sketching in that there's not a lot of pieces to add up and make a full story. When he talked about, you know, growing up with his mom and growing up as a single parent, I just always assumed that his dad was not in his life. But then when he talked about his dad picking him up every Sunday, going to church, it means that his dad was involved. He just talks a lot about his mom. And I'm not saying there are different capacities to single parenthood. He might not have lived with them, but we don't also don't know to what capacity his dad was a part of his life. So that took me by surprise when he mentioned his dad, because he mostly just talks about his mom. So I didn't know that his dad was even in his life. Yeah, it's very unclear. But then uh, when he talks about his dad passing away, it's like, well, clearly he was, I don't know. I interpret it, he must have been part of your life because him passing away was like something bad, something that you count as something bad that happened to you in childhood. And I think his dad passed away when he was like 11. So, you know, if you consider your growing up years, that's seven years that your mom really, really was a single mom with no dad. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's what I mean. Like, there is just the, we're never really sure when we say something about... (laughs) Elijah was um childhood we're like he said this but we're not sure and we're not this so it's hard to make a story of what his childhood really was mm-hmm. it's complicated and the way he explains things is not helpful no <laughs> not, at <laughs> not at all um katina talks about her faith journey and she says that you know they would go to church but when she really started growing up and she saw different prayers being answered as a young adult, that's when I guess she really started to believe. And then she talked about how her mom had had breast cancer. It sounds like right before they started the show, mm. but she prayed and she had confidence that God was not going to use this to take her off this earth and she'll be fine. Katina says that she prays every single day and that's why she has peace in her life because God is her friend every single day. <sighs> I'm trying to find a way to say this. I'm not taking away from Katina's peace or Katina's faith, but it's a little sensitive. You know, she said she had faith that this is not what God was going to use to take away her mom's life. And she had that faith or whatever, but there are people, you know, myself included who prayed for a different outcome and it didn't happen. And I remember there were people who said that to my face in reality, like, you know, if the faith was strong enough, then maybe there'll be a different outcome. So it just kind of took me back to that place. So I was just sensitive to her statement, not to say she shouldn't be happy about what happened and all that, but it's, it's always almost like the opposite. Like that means your faith didn't work. Maybe I'm just being too sensitive about it, but I, I felt some type of, I bristled a little bit at that statement. I bristled a little bit on I bristled a little bit on behalf of you. And even like Michael, whose mom, you know, passed away from cancer, I'm sure he prayed too. Yeah. I I, I understand what Katina is saying. I yeah. really do. 
But I do think when you say things, sometimes you don't quite understand what you're saying. And for all the people out there who prayed, who went to church, who sat on their knees every night and the outcome wasn't what they wanted, it hurts to hear something like that. Glad for Katina's mom, though, because honestly, beating cancer is like a huge deal because cancer is just an awful, awful disease. So, um, And apparently, Olajuwon's mom also went through breast cancer. And so they talk about it a little bit. Um, Elijah asked if the kids will be raised in, if her kids will be raised in church, which I'm like, (laughs) at this point in the game, aren't your kids supposed to be one and the same? And she says, yes. And Elijah agrees and says, you know, it's good to know that if you feel lonely, there's always someone that you can go to, someone you can rely on. And Katina is glad that they're on the same page. I don't know if it's a good thing that I'm just happy there was not an argument. I fully expected Elijah to come up with some shit to fight her on this. And I think she was just as relieved as I was. Cause she's like, whew, I'm glad we're on the same page. I'd be like, she was probably holding her breath as she said that, but you know, good for them. They agreed on something. I think it's interesting that it's, it's taken this long for them to discuss that. I feel like, <laughs> are we taking our kids to church every Sunday to me is like second date information. Mm-hmm. But according to Lajmoor, every night they lay down and talk about their hopes and dreams. So So next up, Steve and Noi go to dance class. There were two people on the episode who either don't have like physical structures to visit, either because they're not from the area or they weren't available. And so they kind of had to adapt the whole hometown visit for them. And I really like what they did with Steve and Noi. Noi says that her favorite childhood memory was dancing. She would like love to dance. Her parents um, worked a lot and they were stressed and they lived in a house where they weren't encouraged to express their emotions. So dancing let her be free. So she's excited to go to dance class with her husband. Now we learned that he won best dancer in high school. So I, I shouldn't have been surprised with that information, but nothing in the past seven weeks would lead me to believe that Steve would be as good as dancer as he was in this dance class. Hey, he was hitting all the moves. Why would you be surprised? Steve is good at everything. <laughs> he can cook. <laughs> he can wear diamond I was, earrings. <laughs> I was like, I expect to see the Steve and Noi TikToks after this performance. <laughs> he is very committed to the choreography and Noi is very impressed. She's like, his face is so serious. Um, <laughs> Um, apparently Steve had better luck with the dancing that she did than she did, but he, she had more fun. So they sit down and talk and Steve says that Noi, he's not surprised that Noi brought him here because if you watch her social media, which he does, we know she's always singing and dancing. Listen, Noi better accept our request because, you know, they don't open their social media until after the show ends. The other day I was wondering why I don't see Brett's, um, stories or anything and realized that she did not accept our request so yeah we're hoping noi accepts ours i would like to see the singing and dancing oh i think noi will be accepting our requests (laughs) 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 i think i don't like to i I do think noi maybe wanted to be married but i also think she wanted to increase her follower count (laughs) um So Steve says that they need about five more runs to get good, but yeah, they had a good time. She says that they had mirrors in their basement. And so it was like a dance studio down there. And she explains that in her childhood, she was not encouraged to express anger 
or emotion or be upset. So it was good and therapeutic for her as a child to like get it out with dancing. And then she explains to him, which I feel like I have to give Noi some credit here. Um, because she explains to him that when they've had arguments, she has a hard time expressing that. Um, mm-hmm. But she does say that it wasn't a choice. It just wasn't something she grew up doing. And I'm like, no, at, at your big age, now it is a choice. <laughs> it's hard. Unlearning is harder than learning. Yeah, but at least even an acknowledgement, like, it didn't feel like a, a personal responsibility. It felt like a um, a cop-out. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, a lot of things, like, everyone's going to grow up with the things that haunt them as adults, but it's always easier to say, this is how I am because this is how I grew up. But at some point, I hear you, you're supposed to take responsibility and kind of fight your way out of that and not use that as an excuse. Rightio. So Steve says... Somehow this took a turn because in the interview, Steve says he's always been a, allowed to create and the freedom and he wants an environment where she can dream. And I was like, are we talking about Noi and her emotions or are we talking about your unemployed status? Because I feel like we did a switch. <laughs> Noi would take any opportunity to bring that up. <laughs> so Noi wants him to know. Sometimes when she fights with him with social media, it's not that she's not invested in their relationship. It's that she's holding on to her independence, not from being married, but her as an individual. Um, not from being married, but her as an individual. Steve is like, oh Lord, I can see it in his mind, but he doesn't, he's not very <laughs> expressive. <laughs> but he's like, but, but you see, and he didn't even use like a when you're married. He's just like, I have done things to consider your feelings I have said things differently and I would just like to feel like I'm getting the same thing back. And they just kind of end there. I really truly appreciate Steve not being a pushover because it's really easy to just be like, okay, all right. Like if you know that you're dealing with someone that could be a brick wall sometimes, but he stands up for what he wants to. And also I think Noi really should have resolved a lot of things with that last relationship. She's bringing a lot of baggage from that last relationship into this. Yes. And I, like I said, there seems to be an acknowledgement that things in the past are affecting the future, but there's no action to like, not let things go, but like allow it to inform you without it guiding your life. Yeah. She's punishing Steve. Like everything she wishes she had done with the other guy, she's doing it with Steve and not giving him a chance. Like, I'm going to choose me. I'm going to pick me. The difference is you married Steve and you're in a marriage now. So, yeah. Do you think it's more forecasting where you're like waiting for things to go wrong and so you react appropriate, like the same way? Uh, it, it, it could be, but I think it's a lot of her not wanting. I think she really felt stupid for what she did with the last relationship, like moving for him, making concessions and doing all that. And now she's just like, nope, not going to be me again. So even if this fails, at least I kept my apartment. At least I stood my ground. At least I can tweet what was, be on social media and say what I want to say because it's what I want to do. So. Okay, yes, and that's wrong. <laughs> Noah, you are wrong. Because if you bring your bad relationship baggage into this relationship, it may not work out because of you. Not because of it was a bad relationship, but because you decided beforehand to act like it was one. Yeah. In the grand scheme of Mav's husband, she really got a good one, so. <laughs> Which doesn't mean he's the right one for her, but that's not what she says. 
Yeah. You know? Um, so next up we have Jasmina and Michael. Jasmina's cutting flowers. They, this is like the second time or the third time where they'd be like, we're excited to talk to an expert because we're in a good place. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so Jasmina tells Dr. Pepper that she got Mike flowers, but Mike doesn't think that women can get men flowers. And Dr. Pepper's like, I give my guy flowers. Um, once again, in an interview, Jasmina talks about how they haven't had conflict in a very long time. And she's very proud of that. Um, Dr. Pepper has picked up on the fact that things are good. Her little reports say things are good. So she's asking them like, oh, what made things good? And they talk about an exercise they did with Dr. Viviana with the blindfolds. I don't know where my brain is, but I don't even recall that exercise. (laughs) But I feel like you do. It was the exercise uh, we didn't cover. That was the sex episode. So probably that's why you don't remember because we didn't talk about it. Thank you. I was like, have I seen that before? (laughs) Um... Jasmina talks to Dr. Pepper about how she had to pull teeth and ask him questions about himself, but now it comes naturally. And Mike says he had pushed through the discomfort. And when he became more open, she got more soft. Dr. Pepper asked both of them the things that they had to unlearn to get to this point. And Mike says that he built a muscle of handling stuff on his own because he didn't want to burden people. He has to unlearn. And if he doesn't let her know what he's feeling, they're not going to grow because she's not going to get to know him. And Dr. Pepper says basically what he said is, you know, we don't have to be strong alone. We can be stronger together. Um, Jasmina um, piggybacks off what Mike says and is like, you know, being independent. And she grew up being told, like, don't be dependent on a man. You have to be able to do X, Y, and Z. If a man leaves you, who's going to do it? You. So you have to do it. Um, so they talked about how they want to have kids and they both agree on a couple years. Then they do some mathing. So if we say two to three years, does that mean that we try in two to three years or do we try in one and a half years? They resolve that amongst themselves handily. And then Dr. Pepper, because they walked right into it, was like, so you're talking about kids. You know how babies are made, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> specifically, she said, how are we trying now? And they, you know, fess up to like their not physical in the sense of like kissing. And she says, but looking at you together, you have intimacy. Why no kissing and touching? Jasmina says this is the happiest she's been, but in that department, she's not there yet. In, a, in an interview, Mike says it's hard to hear her say that, but there's nothing he can do to force romance. The rest is up to her. Okay. Dr. Pepper encourages them to hold hands and cuddle. And she says, here you are planning families, but I have to tell you that you have to have sex to have a baby. <laughs> I'm telling you, they keep taking us on a roller coaster. Like they're talking about kids. They've talked about slip ups, but the actual nothing. The end of their thing is very repetitive in that Mike says they're doing great, but the romance factor has to grow. And I swear he said the exact same thing last week, the week before that. And I'm not mad at Mike. I'm mad at the show for repeat making me watch so many episodes where the same thing is said over and over. <laughs> I think the thing we just need to keep telling ourselves is Karen and Miles made it so it's possible there's hope somewhere. Mm-hmm. So Noi and Steve are up next. Noi has finished her letter and she said it's a good exercise. She reads her letter. She talks a lot about being upset that her parents worked really hard and had to work really hard. And specifically, she talks about how one day her mom came home from work and she worked at a chicken factory and there was blood on her face. And it was like very 
emotionally impactful to Noi, but because she like her growing up, she wasn't allowed to be emotive. It made everything like heavy and scary. So she told her younger self that she wants them to know that everything they felt as a kid mattered. Um, so Steve, after she's done reading her letter, Steve asks some questions. He asks about her mom and Noi says she thought, you know, when you grow up, you think your parents are invincible, but then to see her mom with bloodstains on her face made her feel like a burden. Um, and that it made her think like the only reason they had to work that hard is because they have kids. And if they didn't have kids, would they have to work like this? Hmm. And Steve is very empathetic in an interview. He says it's hard to put himself in those shoes of seeing her parents work themselves to the bone in these harsh conditions and he has a lot of empathy for her but it affects them because she needs a higher level of certainty and security so she doesn't have to worry about her well-being or about them another subliminal message Mm -hmm. but it was a strange subliminal message i didn't get it (laughs) i feel like she was saying she didn't want her parents to have to work that hard but then she's also telling steve we have to work hard if we want to have kids so I, what do you think the subliminal message, what transited to you? No, it doesn't know what she wants. No, it just says things without processing things. But I think it was just like, you know, get a job to make me feel secure. She's explaining why she feels the way she is now, but she's asking him to, to reinforce that. Like, that's why I, he's telling her why I need the security. And for me to have that security is you having a job knowing that I won't have to pick up the shuffle to provide for us and our kids. Like work that hard. So our kids feel like, oh, if mom, if our dad wasn't a deadbeat who wouldn't get a job, our mom wouldn't have to work that hard to provide for us and make her <laughs> make them feel the same way she feels. I don't know. I don't think a lot of noise thoughts are linear, but that's what I got out of it. Um... I think the sad part, well, to me it's sad. Like, Noi is a person who works from home, so we can assume that she has, like, a professional job. And it's just, like, your parents' life is not your life. Like, I think maybe her fear is that, look, dude, if you don't get a job one day, I'm going to have to work in a chicken factory. And I watch my parents do that to feed their kids, and I don't want to do that. Noi has a hard time um, separating herself from past experiences because in a certain way, I can't remember what it was, but there was a time where I thought like it was almost like she was resentful of Steve's upbringing. And Steve is the kind of person who he could have made a big deal that I shared a room with three other people. I mean, this perspective, you remember last season when Jose was like, he grew up poor and we were like, um, you had a whole house and you know saying that he ate rice every day and rachel is like oh um you had food and we thought it was a (laughs) cultural thing so you know it's perspective like we always say everybody's struggles are different but steve could make a big deal like you know we didn't have enough you know space or whatever so we all had to share a room but to him it was just a charming part of his life but noi holds on to things a lot and translates it because i remember when steve brought up the options of work and said you know there might be a time when you don't want to work. And in her mind, that's the blasphemy. What do you mean I shouldn't work? Like I have to, or else I'll be my parents. And it's like, it's not even a stream of consciousness for her that you can take a break and take a deep breath and be okay too. Human beings and where they think they fit in the, in the privilege, like 
hierarchy is, is super interesting because when you look at people like Olajuwon or Michael who have a parent who is has passed away, Noi even having two living parents, it's like, that's, some people might say must be nice. Yeah. So I, I, I totally sympathize with where she comes from. Poverty is real and like poverty trauma is real. But sometimes, I don't know, I wish she would open her eyes a little bit. Like, that's something you and Steve have in common. Two living parents, still together. That love you. (laughs) Because it's one thing to have two parents that don't love you. (laughs) You know? But yeah, you know, it's it's, it's just perspective. You know, privileges also. So people, there's certain privileges people have, and they don't, people don't like being called privileged. I don't know. It sounds like a dirty word. I don't know why. I think the interesting thing about privilege is that in order for it to be understood, you have to go on a a self-determining journey. You have to examine your own life and say, well, here are the ways in which I was privileged and here's the ways that I wasn't. But mm-hmm. usually people can't... Some, one time a friend of mine pointed my, out my own privilege to me and I was like, you know, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about filling out immigration forms and I was like, oh, you know, like... It's pretty, you know, they're pretty straightforward. For I didn't mean all of them were straightforward. I was just talking about the specific ones that I knew about. I was like, yeah, my family just did them. Like, we didn't use a lawyer. And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, your family comes from a country where English is the official language, so it was not hard for your parents to fill out the forms. And I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, thank you for pointing out my privilege to me. That was one instance. I don't know if I would be as receptive to every time someone calls out privilege, but my point is for the most part, you have to figure it out on your own. Yeah. You have to be able to receive it. (laughs) Um, so next up is Lindsay and Mark. They're in the car. She's hugging him. Does that man (laughs) look like he wants a hug? (sighs) (laughs) She says this poor guy has gone through hurdle to hurdle. And I was waiting for her to say, his life is falling apart. But she didn't actually say that. What she did say is, fortunately, she's driving the bus. And fortunately for him, I'm used to that. I rolled my eyes so hard, it got stuck in the back of my head. I'm like, Lindsay, you do fancy yourself a savior, huh? They're in the woods. He says, where are you taking me? There are no benches. <laughs> and in that moment, Mark Mayher learned the difference between a park and the woods. When you're in the park, there are benches. Where you're in the woods, it's like, you better find you a tree stump because that's all you're going to get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they wander the woods. And the point of the woods is that, I guess, Lindsay's house wasn't available or is not close by or whatever. So she grew up and when she felt lonely, she would leave and go wander the woods. Um, yeah. And she talks about how her house was not a place she wants to be. Her dad was always gone. Her mom wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but wasn't suited for it. And that her mom was resentful of her dad. And she said that her mom carried the role of two parents for all of her childhood and didn't handle the stress very well. And Lindsay felt like a burden. So she would go out into the woods and do crafts by herself and just try to stay busy. I think it's interesting that they both had resentful parents. I think it's sad that they both have, but it's just, I'm to me, they like the, the epitome of people who have kids and get married because someone told them that's what they were supposed to do because you mm-hmm. wouldn't resent. I would hope that you would not resent your children 
when you are the one who chose to have them, unless you didn't feel like it was a choice. Mm-hmm. All right, time for a break. And the break is over. And we see Lindsay reading her letter to Mark, which she read from her phone. I don't think we've seen that in any of the seasons or in recent times. Usually someone's writing in a notebook. They're still in the woods and she talks about how, you know, she stood out and how she felt like she never belonged and mentions people telling her she's too much, the exact same words that Mark told her the day before. But Mark stands his ground and he says he likes her letter and he sees the dipper side of her that he doesn't see much. And if he sees more of that, she will see more of his vulnerability. He holds her hands, tells her that that was good, and her younger self probably sees her as a role model. He appreciates her and always has. He was quick to add in his own way. Lindsay says she's feeling it and hearing it today, and then they kiss. So Steve and Noy are practicing their TikTok moves when Dr. Pepper comes by. <laughs> she, <laughs> she asks Noy if she has made progress in opening up, and she says, yes, yeah, she's made progress, but also Steve has made it easier. I got to tell you that, you know, good on her for giving... Um, for giving him props for making it easier for her and recognizing (laughs) that he's trying. She says that she didn't grow up expressing herself and she was scared and he thought that she was walking away, but it wasn't personal. She just wasn't comfortable saying she was upset or angry, but now she can actually say that she's upset. So Dr. Pepper asked Steve what he has offered to her. I think that was a strange phrasing. I think he was just asking what his fears are. And he says he wonders if things get hard, will Noi walk away? And he just wondered if this would work because if she did, it would be too painful for him. And that was the moment when I realized that we don't get a lot of Steve's fears and Steve's insecurities about the relationship. Like it's just a lot of accommodating Noi, but we don't talk about, you know, Steve's insecurities from past relationships, the things that he's scared of and all that kind of stuff. How do you feel about that? I agree. We just don't get a lot of Steve's feelings, period. We mm. get a lot of Steve's feelings in relation to Noi, right? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. But we just, it kind of, once he said that, I was like, do I know Steve? I only know Steve <laughs> as he reacts to Noi. To Not Noi, as his yes. own separate person. Yes. That was the best way to put it. You said it very correctly. We only know Steve in relation to Noi, but who is Steve as, I mean, this episode alone, we found out he wears diamond earrings. We find out he was best dancer. We found out he rapped. This is the most we know about him <laughs> as an individual. So um, Dr. Pepper brings up Noi not giving up her place. Steve said he didn't understand it at first. So now they're at the point where it's like, how do they acknowledge her independence while still respecting what he wants? Dr. Pepper says she has to say this. So she's not a hypocrite. This whole time, Noi has had her stank face up, but the minute Dr. Pepper says this, Noi's face perked up so fast, and she's like, do you live separately? That was the last thing on my mind. But Dr. (laughs) Pepper does say yes, she lives separately. Did you know this, Aid? I did not know this. Um, I was like, but is it because she's like on a TV show that like films different places, so they're apart a lot, or does she like literally live separately? I'm glad you asked. Once again, Maps fan comes to the rescue. She does say that she posted this uh, um, some years ago and she links the article. It's like an AARP article where doctor, it's like an article about um, people who live separately, but it's a lot of people in the article are people who are older. And as Dr. Pepper tells them, like this was her second marriage and she's been together with her guy for like um, 16 years. Also, Dr. Pepper always calls her husband, my guy. So now I'm just saying her guy. (laughs) 
um, <laughs> together for 16 years. And uh, in the article, she talks about how he lived, she lives in some outskirts somewhere. He lives somewhere else. They both like their places. They both like the way they live their life. She has uh, an assistant manager or someone who does almost everything for her. Her husband is not comfortable with somebody else living in the house. She has two big dogs that he's not also comfortable with in his line of work. And something about wanting to keep their houses for their children and the logistics of all that. So there are reasons. They look like, they sound like very good reasons, but they're yeah. also very dependent upon a life stage, you know? Yeah. Second marriage, especially the inheritance stuff. That's yeah. to keep the peace. Your kids get your house and my kids get my house. We don't have to figure out how to split up a house. What if someone dies first, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So like, I like how she advised the two of them. Cause she's like, yes, I live separately, but you know. Yeah. She did mention that, you know, her first marriage was 23 years, but then they raised kids together. So her question is, if you're not living together, how do you reassure each other? So they feel taken care of and truly married. And of course, Noi is like, because Steve is not saying a damn thing in this because this is not what he wants. So <laughs> it's, no, like it's not my idea. <laughs> it's not my idea. Noi is like, um, we haven't ironed out those details yet because, and because Noi just has verbal diarrhea, I don't think she puts thought into anything she says. And like, how is this something you haven't ironed out the details? It is pretty important. And honestly, Dr. Pepper should just ask her that question. Because again, this is not what Steve wants. What You're the one who's fixated on three children. You need to get a job so we do this, but you want to live separately. That's kind of crazy. Then she turns to Steve and like, I want you to be in my life every day. And it might be something that we don't have figured out by D-Day. And I'm like, <laughs> if I was Steve, I'm not driving anywhere because I, I, this is crazy talk. <laughs> You will so, come to me. You, you will, will handle me. the logistics. <laughs> That's crazy. You get off work. You're so tired. Well, if he gets a job and is so tired and wants to go home and be with his wife. And is like, oh man, I got to figure out how to drive through the traffic just to see my wife and just to see the kid. Makes no sense. So Dr. Pepper basically tells them to figure it out where it is emotionally fulfilling to both of them, not just one person. The noise was silent. So Steve says, it's okay not to have a traditional way of living in marriage, but you can't raise kids productively when you are across town. (laughs) The fact that this needs to be said out loud, that you can't actually raise children in two different houses. Who knew? (laughs) And then she has a studio. So I'm just like, if you have the kid, because she's fighting so hard for the studio, it's not like it's going to be another apartment. So if you have a kid, like, what do you think kids do? Anyways, Noah hasn't thought this through. This is just an insurance policy because she's scared, but she's not very good at expressing herself. So Mark takes Lindsay to his parents' house and he says it's been two years since he lived there and since his dad passed away, which just kind of hit me that this is pretty recent. I just, I thought his dad passed away a long time ago, but two years is pretty recent. And in that moment, Aid, I just kind of felt like this was heavy. Um... He's talking about the death. We went through, you know, Mark talking about the death. Elijah one talked about death and they talked about the breast cancer. All of it just kind of hit me in the moment with Mark. And usually when things get heavy like that, like it just got to a point where there's certain pieces of entertainment I don't watch. And if not, like it was for this show, I really think that I would have turned it off. I don't know what it was about Mark's, but at this point it was just became like a lot. Like overall, it seemed like Steve and Katina were the only ones who had a happy childhood. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't say this, but one of the things that you're like, what did you think of the episode? 
beginning of after I was done watching this episode, honestly, one of my thoughts was, I'm so glad I live with my parents. I'm so glad I'm taking <laughs> advantage of this time because yeah, what's around the corner? Because um, I, you know, I have feelings about oh, you're too old to be living with your parents. Um, but I was like, no, 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 you just stay here, spend as much time with them as possible. <laughs> Apparently, one day they're gonna be dead. You're gonna be crying outside the house. It's, that's your future. So just hold on to this absolutely like i mean like you said not not trying to make this a downer episode or anything but i was very heavily triggered by this episode a lot so like i said if we weren't covering this show i i i might have just skipped this episode but he reads his letter and talks about spending time with his family and saying to take more pictures take more videos and Lizzie says it's nice to see him vulnerable, that, you know, they miss the mark on a lot of things, but, you know, in certain levels, they connect on a deep level. And then he says he thinks that they should come back to live in this house, no matter who is living here, just kind of buy it off of them and then raise their family there. Lindsay's like, can't do that. She's like, we can live anywhere else. I can live in that house across, that house across, but I am not going to compete with the past. <laughs> she said, this is a house of misery. You made it sound like a house of misery and that it has bad juju. So this neighborhood seems great, but this specific house, not so much. And you know what? She's not wrong. Because on one hand, you know, he showed pictures of like, you know, him with his family and he had good memories. But when you think about it, a few years ago, Mark was happy with his family celebrating Christmas. And now half the people in the picture are dead. And then his mom is not doing so well. And if, you know, in a few years or something, it's just going to be him. That's pretty depressing to go through that spectrum. And I, know, I, I usually am in defense of only children as people, you know, it's not their fault. Yeah. But when people are like, I want to give my child a sibling. I mean, when you look at someone like Mark, it's not a, it's not a bad instinct. It's, it's, it's always good to have just that. It's not, a, not, I don't want to say a fallback kid, but somebody that will be there like for you to have. I mean, I guess that's where cousins come from, but Yeah. Mark's section was just really, and you could see it in his face. Like everything was just, he just looked sad. And to think that he was banking on everything. I mean, he waited four years for this to come around and it's not going well with his wife. So he really is going to be alone. Oh, so he's going to be not married. That doesn't mean he's alone. I mean, Mark seems to have a thriving social life. Well, okay. I mean, when he's not paying attention to Lindsay. Okay, I mean, find out that Mark was cheating. Wouldn't that be a shocker? That's why he's on the phone all the time. (laughs) No, he's on the phone to get a rape. (laughs) If he's holding the phone, she can't hold his hand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I mean, family wise, like he's talking about buying the house, raising the family in there, whatever. His friends are not going to move in with him in the house. So that's what I mean when I say that. The other thing is like um, when, you know, going back to the reason why Lindsay is not wrong. It really sounded miserable. His mother was so resentful of his dad. This poor man went outside to wave to the cars driving by to be happy. And his mom is yelling at him through the window. Nobody wants to say hi to you out there. That is the height of misery. Like, it's there's like nothing. Half <laughs> sitcom, like, haha, funny. And then you're like, wait, that's really dark. Yeah. It is. Like, that's how you know how much someone hates someone. It's not even resent, it's hatred. Like, I don't even want to see you happy. So, um, a lot, um, sorry. So that was it with Lindsay and Mark. And then Dr. Pepper comes to see Katina and Olajuwon. Olajuwon tells us that, you know, they need guidance that the last time they saw Dr. Pepper, it wasn't that great, but now they're good. And he's happy that she's here. 
Olajuwon starts talking about how they bounce back quickly. Like, you know, you could go pee and come back and we've recovered from anything. And I'm like, pee? Like, why did you have to use that example? And (laughs) that's when I also noticed that he has a nervous tick. Like anytime he gets nervous, he starts clearing his throat like a million and hundred times. So he's doing that now. He tells her how they had a heated argument not long ago. And he was like, geez, can you just shut up for a second? And Dr. Pepper was like, oh. And he was like, oh, but I caught myself instantly. I went to the bathroom. I came back out. And I was like, I should never say that to you. You're my wife. I care about you. And Dr. Pepper is like, that's growth. Um, Okay. If she says that's growth, who am I to disagree? Elijah one says it felt good to mess up and have someone forgive you. Once again, I feel like he says this a lot. Um, she asked what goals they share together. And as always, because Katina has not said a damn word since she got in here, Elijah one pipes in and talks about having kids within two years. He says, when I came out of high school, I went to college, but Katina is still in school. Why would you phrase it that way? Um, to make sure that we understand that Katina is less than for not being done with college. I personally think that I know like there's debt. I have it. There's all this stuff. If you go to uh, college right out of high school, but logistically it's actually the easiest time to get it done. Um, if you can stay in school for those four years, you just bang it out. 22, 23, you're done with college. It is hard to be an adult student, have a real full-time job, and be going to school trying to get your bachelor's. And I, for one, admire Katina for it. I do not understand why Elajuwon is looking down on her for trying to better herself, as you have said. Yep. He says the conflict is, can she finish her bachelor's in nursing school while having a kid? He claims that he doesn't want to see her overwhelmed. And at the same time, how can she make sure that he is happy? He, guys, <laughs> he is happy. And then um, Katina tells Dr. Pepper, like, you know, all men require attention. She looks to Olajuwon, no offense. He's like, no offense taken, go ahead. And she's like, you know, he requires a little bit more attention than the normal guy, and that could be draining. I don't even know if those are her thoughts or if he's drilled that into her and she's just repeating what he said. Olajuwon tells us that if they can't find a resolution, he's in the confessional now, and then he starts tearing up. He was like, he knows that she cares about school a lot and he's just being truthful. But if he was her, he would lock in. I'm like, what does that mean? Locking with you because you're a good guy and he can never, she would not be able to find somebody else like him. He says that if it were him, he would dedicate his life to himself, bang it out in two years and be ready for him. And, you know, he would say that he's not going anywhere, but he's not going to tell her that because he doesn't want her to do that. Again, I was still confused. And then the producer was like, are you saying that she should say no and to better herself? And he's like, yeah, if you care for somebody, you will always look out for what's best for them. And I'm like, what the fuck? From this conversation is when I started to think, does a lot, well, I think I said it earlier too, does a larger one like Katina? Because he seems to be looking for ways to decide that he doesn't like her. And it's such... It's not that they're small and petty. It's just, why would someone being in school be a reason for you to determine, oh, they just, they don't fit in my life, which, okay, I guess that's one way of looking at it. But if you say that you're like, so into someone, that doesn't seem like that matches up. I'm just very puzzled by the rigidity to having kids in two years. That just blows my mind because I don't even think she's 30 yet. 
So I, 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 I'm not sure where the flexibility is. And also, Olajuwon claims he wants to travel. Why didn't he travel before he met her? He wasn't doing it. So how did this come up all of a sudden that he wants to travel? Does he mean he only wants to travel with his wife? Like, everything about it is absurd. Like, there's no, like, time limit on things. So why not just reshuffle things? Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. Uh, but no, he's... he's I, but I feel like we never heard about this. Like, it's just something that started happening a couple weeks ago. Man, he's been through a gamut of reasons of things that she needs to do. And uh, it's going to be never ending. I really hope he turns things around. Because, again, I'm still convinced they're going to stay together. But I hope he's um, changed his ways. Agreed. So, Aid, who has your bouquet this week? I'm going to go ahead and give it to Dr. Pepper. I, you know, I like to complain the experts are coming. Dr. Pepper came this week and she had useful things to say to everybody. I especially liked her work with Mark and Lindsay. Um, if she 100% took Mark's side, Lindsay would be piced. But she managed <laughs> to do some balancing. I don't think it made a difference because Lindsay is who she is. But I did think Dr. Pepper gave everybody good advice this week. Yeah. Who has your bouquet this week? My bouquet goes to Michael. Um, it cannot be easy to just talk about these things all of the time. And just the fact that he does that and he just seems to have turned things around. And he was just so understanding of Jasmina and just tearing up with her and just the affection that they share. I just appreciated Michael this week. Aw. Who has your burnt ashes? Um... My ashes goes to Noi. It goes to Noi because it's just a little irritating that she says all these things to Steve, thinking that it doesn't affect him. But you can't throw things out without thinking about it. So this whole not living together situation, think about how it affects the person. And I think he said something really important this week. Like, it seems like you say all these things, but you don't think about how it affects me. But I'm here trying to accommodate all these things that you come up with. So the selfishness of his, of it all is why she gets my ashes. Who has yours? Um, Lindsay. I know she's gotten a lot lately. Uh, and it's interesting to give people burnt ashes and stuff this episode because it isn't really them doing things to each other. Mm. It's a lot of introspection. So I'm not judging anybody for their introspection, including Lindsay. But, you know, she continues to just not take any responsibility for what what might be her thing and to also be a martyr if you mm. come to the selfie cam and say i'm too loving i'm too giving and then his cat passes away and you're there to comfort him uh, some people might call that kindness but i call it a contradiction if you really believe that mark doesn't appreciate you for who you are then why do you keep on giving these things to him oh wait because you want to martyr yourself <laughs> that is Lindsay. And that is it for us this week. You can find Tane with Nana on the Rewatch podcast where they're rewatching Sex and the City. They are done with four seasons and we'll be picking up season five in the next few months. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at AlterCallMAFS. That's A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S. That is where you find out when we have technical difficulties and the episode <laughs> will be late. <laughs> um, pray that we don't have any more, you guys. And we love hearing from you guys on social media. So let us know what you think of all of this. 
Yes, we're available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening and for supporting our show. Don't forget to subscribe. And don't forget to please give us a five-star rating if you're so inclined on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Don't forget there will be the season finale recap of After Party on Monday and also part two of The Ultimatum where we cover the decision day and the reunion of The Ultimatum also will be on our Patreon next week. See you guys for the next episode. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately! Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.